My name is Nancy Babbitt, for those of you that don't know me. I've been a parishioner here at Calvary for 10 years now, and um, I cannot believe I'm standing here and have a captive audience listening to this. Um, I am speaking about what I do is um, heartfelt for me. Um, I, I'm going to try to share my experience with you uh, today about it. Um, I'm an adaptive physical education teacher in Westfield. I have been there for 33 years. This is my 34th year. <clears throat> and for those of you that don't know what adaptive physical education is, it, uh, in Westfield, because we have such an enormous special services department, we have so many children with uh, special needs, ranging from autism to physical disabilities to cognitive disabilities, um, I am the only adaptive phys ed specialist in the district, um, probably because they never ever dreamed we would grow to this point, and for budgetary reasons. Uh, so I travel, we have 10 buildings in Westfield, and I travel to nine of them, uh, usually three or four a day, uh, depending on where my students are. And um, I cannot imagine doing anything else. Uh, staying in one building, I think, would be very challenging for me after all these years of moving around. I kind of walk in, see my students, and spend my time there and then and, and move on. Um, to give you a little bit about <clears throat> the nature of my job, um, I have to go to IEP meetings, if those, any of you are familiar with those sort of things, and that's when my students, I have to discuss what their goals and objectives are for the year. And they're not always, uh, my goals for my class um, are set by me. Uh, however, mom and dad have to sign off on them. And, and as I get into it later, the, the most important thing I hope you walk away with today is that our expectations need to be realistic. You know, everybody, it's okay to have boundaries. It's okay to have special needs. It's okay to be different as long as you recognize the differences and you're able to come to terms with the fact that the most important thing at the end of the day is to have a happy child, somebody that wants to wake up in the morning and get out of bed and start their day. And if, you, if they learn in a different way, if they have to be taught in a different way, that's fine. Because you'll, there's, there's a place for every child out there to learn. They just learn in different, in different ways. Um, to, I am, at, at Westfield, I, was, I am also, well, I was uh, the varsity field hockey coach for 23 years and track coach. I was the girls' spring track coach. Um, when I got pregnant with my twins, I retired from coaching because I knew there was no way I could do both, um, be a mom and a coach to the degree that I had been. So I took a hiatus um, from coaching and went back four years ago to eighth grade field hockey, which is a lot less of a commitment than teaching, uh, than coaching at the high school level. Um, and track and field. And through that, you know, I, I work with, with special needs children all day. But it was great after school to go on the field and work with gen ed kids and, and talented, bright. Um, it, it, was a, it was a great connect for me because what I do during the course of my day kind of separates me. Um, I don't get that immediate uh, gratification that you might get on the, on the playing field, as, as unfortunately in the, as in the classroom. A little bit about me personally. Uh, I currently live in New Providence with my husband, Bill, and my two children, Caroline and Will. I'm a local girl. I grew up down the road in Springfield, and here I am, you know, in Summit. So it's, it's, a, it's a great thing to, to be home. It doesn't feel so, so funny. Uh, I, didn't, I did go away. I did my undergrad at Gettysburg College out in Pennsylvania. 
Jeff is an alum, and so is Diana. She's not here today. I had a great four years at Gettysburg. It was a, a wonderful experience, and I cherish the memories and what I learned out there from some really wonderful teachers. Uh, I did my uh, graduate work uh, at Kane, received a master's in educational leadership and administration. Uh, my principal certificate is sitting in the top drawer of my desk at school because I've just thought I always wanted to have it, and I just can't bring myself to walk away from my students and become an administrator. I enjoy being with the kids way too much. As far as, you know, when we were, I was preparing for today, Diana said, you know, what, when, when you, you know, talk to everybody about what you do, was God, you know, uh, it, was he part of your choice and, and, and part of your decision to carry on for 33 years in, in the same field? And I said, sure he was. I think that being raised, I was raised Roman Catholic. We went to church every Sunday as a family you know, in tow, my mom, my dad, my two sisters, my brother and I, and um, we went to church every week, and it was really important to me. I, I went to church all through Gettysburg. When I was at Gettysburg, uh, they had a Catholic mass on Saturday night. There I was with all my sorority sisters, the fraternity guys, the football players, and then we'd all see each other at about 11 o'clock at one of, the, one, of the, one of the houses for a party, but we all made it to church. I think that throughout my life, God has meant different things. To me. I land, we landed here because uh, when Bill and I had the twins, we were married in the Catholic Church, and, he, and the twins were born. I said, what are we going to do? We have to make a decision. And in, in short, I realized I couldn't censor the Catholic Church anymore for them, uh, that they were going to be, I didn't want them to, I wanted them to have a different perspective. When I came here, I felt really good. As Matt, if you were here earlier for the service, Matt, you said that uh, it's really about love. It's about all the good things and not the dark things, the, the, you know, uh, about sin. I, um, I didn't want Caroline and Will to come home one day from Sunday school and say, Mom, Maggie and Judy, they're bad people because they're married to each other. You know, um, I, I couldn't live with that. They, they, there's, life has changed too much, and we need to find a balance of what yesterday it was and what today is and what tomorrow's going to be for them. So I knew I wasn't going to be able to do that if we, I raised them in the Catholic Church. They were going to hear too many things that I just couldn't find a rationale for. So we, we landed here, and I am so glad that we did. And my children love coming to church, just as I did. And they are learning all of the wonderful things that they need to know. Hence, I'm in the atria as a teacher here. Somebody said, you teach on Sunday too? And I was like, I do. I do. I said, but it's, more, it's a different kind of teaching. It's, it's not exactly what I do five days a week. So anyway, let me... Continue on. The seeds to, to become a teacher were planted very early in my life. As I said to you, I was the, I'm the oldest of four, and uh, you, you just take charge when you're the oldest of four. And, and there's four years between myself and my, uh, next, my, my next sister, so she, I used to tell her what to do. My mom and dad were convinced I was going to be a teacher because I just took charge all the time. However, uh, looking back, that the, the most significant influence in my decision, and my inspiration to teach was my dad. My dad was a teacher for 47 years in New Providence. He woke up every day, went to work from Springfield on his very short commute to New Providence, never ever called it work. He called it, I'm, I'm leaving for school. I don't think I ever talk, heard him speak of his job as a physical education teacher, football coach, baseball coach, wrestling. I mean, I think he did it all in that time. And he finished his career as, an, as the athletic director there never spoke of school as work for him. And I thought, wow, 
what a great way to live your life, you know. Um, he, he loved New Providence, and he still does. He's there all the time, he, you know, and fortunately, uh, like Summit, like Westfield where I teach, people come back, so you're always running into somebody, you know. I have, because I have had my children a little bit later, his former students have children in my children's class, and they're like, I didn't know you were Coach Carpenter's daughter, and I'm like, mm-hmm. I am, and uh, it's, it's, really, it's a really nice thing to hear people speak so highly of somebody from their past. And I guess in a, my own selfish way, I was like, I want to be a teacher. I want to do this. I can do it, and maybe someday somebody's going to remember something that I said to them uh, along the way. He loved his job. Uh, he lived his dream, and uh, he shared it with us. The last thing I'm going to say about my dad is that uh, he was 110, he's a 110% kind of guy. He always gives his best. So as a kid, we grew up thinking New Providence was the best place on earth. We just couldn't figure out why we didn't live there. And, and, that, and that Thanksgiving Day, beating Summit on Thanksgiving Day, meant 10 more months of happy dad. Um, because if we lost, because back in the day, uh, that was a huge rivalry, Summit New Providence football on, on Thanksgiving Day. And... Um, when you're the daughter of a coach, every game counts. Every, every single game was a, was a big one. So moving on, bringing out the best in kids and um, being determined to make them the very best they can be is what I saw in him and what I wanted to do. So uh, be teaching became a, a very easy path for me. I always knew that I wanted to work with kids and... Um, being around children made me feel good. And I wanted to be able to give them something that maybe they didn't have, or maybe cultivate an interest in something that may, they may not get from mom and dad, or from grandma and grandpa, or for someone, for someone in their lives. Um, I think that having a career in education afforded me the opportunity to teach and to learn. I learn every single day from my students, especially um, the ones that I not necessarily the ones that I coach, but the ones that I teach. My student athletes are not a, a different. They're older. My little ones, my youngest learners who are three and are, are autistic, and um, they, some of them don't speak. They're, you know, they're developmentally delayed. There's a whole host of things that go along with it. They teach me every day that there's something that they have to say, and one day maybe they will say it, and I have to find... God gives me the patience to work with them and the sense of humor because sometimes if you don't laugh, you end up crying because they're just so amazing, you know. And I see there, you know, people say, oh, you know, again, Diana said, do you see, how does God factor into, you know, you're, are you, a, I, I am a spiritual person, but not kind of um, the way maybe everyone may think. When I look in the eye, into the eyes of a four-year-old boy, and I have to share this with you because I think this is one of my greatest, greatest stories in 30 years, 33 years. Um, ben came to me last March, and Ben didn't speak. He was, um, he was a, a selective mute. He didn't want to talk. He only spoke at night, a few words to his mom when she was tucking him in. So, um, and he had school refusal as well. He didn't want to come to school. Uh, he was four, four at the time. Finally got him to come to school, finally got him to transition into the gym to come to phys ed with me. And, um, and he would stand right next to me, and I would, you know, talk to the kids, and I would always address him just like everybody else. 
not a word, not a word. Smile, beautiful little boy, absolutely beautiful little boy. He would smile, he would watch. Then by June, he was sort of, want, you know, wanted to, to get involved, but wasn't sure, a little standoffish. Again, have a great summer, everybody. I look forward to seeing you all in September. School starts, uh, you know, this past couple months ago. His class comes in. They're all sit seated in the, in, the, in the gym in front of me. Hey, everybody, good morning. How was, how was your summer? I missed you all. Everybody's grown. And, you know, so-and-so tells me. We go down the row. And all of a sudden, hey, Mrs. Babbitt, I had a great summer. It was Ben. <laughs> and, and I was like, I started crying because I am an extremely emotional person. And um, the paraprofessionals that were in class with me didn't want to tell me because he came in speaking. And I said, Ben, keep talking. Tell me everything you want to tell me. And uh, he's been a joy to work with. And we never really knew why he chose not to speak. But it doesn't matter anymore why. There was no, you know, there, there are a lot of reasons why. There's a lot. There could be trauma. It could be whatever. But from Ben, he's speaking now. He's learning. And his, he's overcome whatever that, whatever that fear was. And um, I think in, 30, <clears throat> in 33 years of teaching, that was the most amazing, like, right in your face kind of gratification you could get when, when a child who never uttered a word. I, I always wondered what he would sound like. You know, and, and then when he screamed my name, I was like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> okay. Um, and he's still talking, so it's all, it's all good. I, I doubted briefly in my life about teaching. Um, when I was at Gettysburg uh, in the early 80s, everybody wanted to be a business major. Everybody wanted to make a lot of money. There was a lot of promise for money in the early 80s, and um, it just didn't do it for me. And I thought, I'm going to continue along my, with my liberal arts education and... Um, and continue wanting to teach. Here I am 33 years later, and all my closest friends who went into business have changed jobs about a dozen and a half times over the years. And you know what? I think there's a reason why people end up doing what they do, because I couldn't push a pencil all day or you know, be a hedge fund manager or do any of the things that they do. And just like they say to me, how do you do what you do? You just do it. It's just who you are. It's just in you. It's, in, it's, an in, it's intrinsic. I think that having the opportunity to do what I do ignited a fire inside me that burns every day still. And, and when, that, when that stops, then when I don't feel that, that passion anymore, then maybe it'll be time for me to stop. But right now, it's still very much alive. And I get to do it here now. And I have to tell you, I've learned more about the church and about all of the things I saw for, for the first 40 years of my life in church. I've learned more about what they mean and the significance of them from the kids downstairs and from Alice's leadership downstairs. She um, has a very quiet, subtle way of delivering information to you that is, wants, it, it makes you beg for more. Keep telling me, keep, keep giving it to me. I am very thankful to have the opportunity to be a catechist now after going through training with her and working with the wonderful people that I do downstairs. The kids are great, and to watch them sort of be with God is, is an amazing thing. It's just, it's just what I do five days a week. It's just in a different setting. So my doubt went away, and here I am. You know, I stand in front of you as an educator. But really, the, the most divine intervention in this whole thing was there were no jobs in 1984 in phys ed, in, in teaching. They were, riffing, they were riffing teachers. There were no, there were no jobs. So when I graduated, 
I interviewed, there were four jobs in, S there was one, two jobs in Essex County, one in Union County, and two in Morris. I went on the interview, I had a strong swimming background that got me in the door in one. They ended up, one was a pure health educator, which I did not want to just teach health, I wanted to teach physical education as well. I thought, oh my gosh, I, maybe I did pick the wrong career, I'm never going to work. I'm going to be working at the Short Hills Mall. <laughs> Paying back my student loans. And um, needless to say, you know, when you graduate from college, you want to do everything on your own. You want to be completely independent. And I had this person over here saying, Nance, why don't you let me make a few calls? I've been teaching in Union County for a long time. Maybe something's out there that, no, Dad, no, I'm going to do this on my own. Well, about the 10th of August rolled around, and I kept thinking, oh my gosh, I do not want to be selling clothes at the Short Hills Mall not full-time, like I'd love to do it for the discount later on, but not full-time. My dad, I did ask him to make the call, and he called around, and uh, Gary Keller, longtime uh, football coach uh, in Westfield, said, Don, you know what, we just had a, we just had a phys ed uh, three-fifths position open up in adaptive PE. We'll be working with our special needs kids. And this is right when special needs was becoming federally funded. My dad said, I'll, he goes, send her in. I'd love to meet her. I can give her a coaching job. You know, we can, even though she's teaching special ed, she can coach. I went the next day, went for the interview, met Gary. He sent me over to a central office, had an interview with HR. And uh, then they sent me to new teacher orientation that afternoon. So it was a whirlwind. But at that point in time, I thought, I never thought I'd want to teach special ed. But I do, I do, I do think that there was some divine intervention. I, I, the job came up. I, I felt like I could do this. I, I had some uh, credits in special populations. I did some volunteer work with Special Olympics. I taught swimming to disabled students. I thought, why not? This could be great. You know, close to home, great district to work in, um, and I would be able to coach. And my first year coaching, I coached eighth grade field hockey. It was a great experience, and. I, as you know, that three-fifths position meant I was only working part-time. The following year, the federal funding came through, and I became, I went full-time the second year, and I've been there ever since. I'm a lifer. That's what they call people like me uh, that stay in the same district uh, for more than five or six years, and here it's been a long time. It doesn't feel like 33 years. It really doesn't. I, the only reason way I know it's 33 years is that I've been to weddings of former students and players of mine that I teach some of their children now. It really is a, it's a, it's a great thing to see the child that you once worked with working at the supermarket now, speaking, working, somebody that was truly had limitations that now is a part of our, our community and part of our society and, and is a working, functional, productive person. And I sat in a meeting, you know, many times that they say, this child, he, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? You're looking across at the mom who's crying because... She doesn't know what to do, and dad's angry, and the child study team is saying, listen, we're going to give him everything we need. Let us just do it. Let's see what happens. You know, and nowadays, we don't send our students out with special needs. They all stay in. So we have more programs now than ever for special needs students right in your home district. Um, recently, I ran into a former student of mine at the Home Depot just the other night, and um, we're checking out, and we've got all this stuff, and she says, Miss Carpenter, is that you? And I said, oh, oh, boy. And I, I was like, oh, boy. Um, yes. 
And she said, you look exactly the same. I said, I love you. I love you. I said, when did you graduate? She said, 92. I said, oh my gosh. She's, and she said, you know, she told me your name. And I said, I do remember you now. I'm so sorry. You're like a grown-up, grown woman now. And uh, she said, yeah. She said, um, you look great. Are these your kids? And it was just, it's, it makes you feel good. She goes, you know, and she remembered things that I had said to her that I maybe say 100 times a day, but it stuck with her. It resonated with her. It's just such a great, great way to spend your life, being with other people's children. When I first got here, and the Getz and Danners were here, and their daughter played field hockey over at Summit for um, Sheila Dunn, and we coached, I coached against Sheila Dunn. We were in a county meeting, and um, Sheila put, I think it was Betsy? Okay. And Getz and Danner is a name that sticks with you. And she put her up for all county, you know. And Sheila said, oh, they're a great family, you, you know. And don't you know, here you are, all these years later, I'm sitting in a pew, and I'm looking, it says, Getz and Danner. I'm like, really? Could it be? You know, and I had mentioned it to Kate once. And, uh, and lo and behold, it was Getz and Danner's. It was the same Getz and Danner's. So it, everything seems to come full circle. And I don't know if it's because I'm getting older or if it's just because I stayed right here where my roots truly are, here in Union County. I, I'm not sure, so sure, but it is a wonderful thing. And if you can give your children anything, you want to give them a sense of community. And it's so, so important for kids to feel that, especially in today's, in today's society. My career as a coach, you know, a, great, a good teacher makes a good coach. and They go hand in hand. I know that for some people, um, that's hard for them to understand because you see what you see on television and what you, what, how it's presented to you. Crazy, you know, yelling people, yelling men and women, you know, yelling on the court or on the playing field. It isn't, it isn't always like that. Whether you have a relationship as a teacher and a student or a coach and a player, that relationship is, is, is specific to, to that player and to that student. I think that being a teacher has made me a, great, a, a greater coach. I have taught so many kids, not the best athletes, I've, uh, not the best students. I've, taught lots of I've coached lots of athletes that were not the best students. But they all leave. They all leave me. I always feel like I gave them the very best of me, uh, a good experience, a chance to improve themselves. The best compliment you could get is when they come back and they're a teacher and a coach. The current Summit field hockey coach is a former player of mine. Um, she's the varsity coach. She had a great year. She's, she's also a teacher here in town, an elementary school teacher. And when I got the call from Lynchburg, when she called me, she said, Coach, I've decided I'm going to be a teacher. Will you help me? Jen, I'll help you do anything you need to do, absolutely, whatever, whatever it is you need. Those are the moments that you realize, you know, I spend a really huge part of my life trying to, to get somebody to do this, and here it is right in front of me, you know. When, when a former runner of mine called me on my wedding day from Afghanistan, she said, I can't be there with you, but she said, uh, Coach, I'm so glad you're finally doing this, because... <laughs> How much longer were you going to wait? She said, you had to wait, you had to wait until I was way to, to do this, you know? And uh, I said, listen, you stay safe. She said, I'm thinking about you. And she came home, thank God. And, uh, and she and her family now live in Virginia. And I do get to see them quite, quite frequently. But um, when you watch kids become 
phenomenal adults, doctors. You know, I have an emergency room doctor that played for me. Who ever thought she would ever become an emergency room doctor? She was, the, she was so doozy bots. She was so dizzy. She was going in the wrong direction on the field hockey field once. I say, Courtney, turn it around. I, she, I passed my MCATs. I'm, I got into medical school. I was like, oh, thank God. So kids, regardless of how young or how old they are, they're amazing. And, and to watch them grow into phenomenal adults is, is just a, a terrific, terrific thing. I don't know how much more interesting I can make it for you to listen to me, but they are, you all probably have your own children, and I was blessed to have mine a little later in life. So I think I have a little bit of a different perspective. My pediatrician says to me, Nancy, you don't ever get like uptight about kids. I'm like, about the kids being sick. I'm like, well, they're sick, you know, like they'll be okay. You, you know, like I, I sh it might be that little bit of being just a little bit older. I don't really overreact about grades. You know, Will and Caroline are still fairly young. Do I, what, what I demand of my children, what I expect of my children, are for them to be kind, for them to be cognizant of people around them. Caroline and Will came to Westfield for uh, pre-K because, well, mainly because it was extremely cost-effective. Um, and I would have them in school for one year. I would get to be part of their, their school life. But it was an integrated pre-K, so there were children in there with developmental delays. There were children in there just like them, you know, gen ed kids. I think it may have been one of the best things that I ever did for them because my children today recognize immediately somebody that's a little bit different, and they reach out to them. If you, you, I don't know if you know who Caroline and Will are, but Caroline said to me just the other day, Mom, that boy over there, I think he might be one of your students. They're not quite sure what, they know they're under the umbrella of special. They're not quite sure what it is. I think that boy would be one of your students. And he, he just dropped, you know, he, uh, he dropped, what was he carrying? I think it was something at school, like something fell off his backpack. I said, well, she goes, I'm going to go get it for him because I don't think he realizes it's gone. So he went, she went over, she handed it to him, and she came back, and I said, Caroline, that was so nice. She said, Mom, you're supposed to be nice to everybody, aren't you? I said, yeah, yes, yes, you are supposed to be nice to everybody. And I think that our windows have to be open to all the differences that we have out there. My job is to teach whoever walks into the gym, whatever their limitation might be, whatever their... Right now, it's, I see mostly autistic, children on the autistic spectrum. 75% of my, of my students are children who have behavioral issues and that are on the spectrum. It was a whole new ball of wax for me. When I started, it was neurologically impaired, perceptually impaired, physically disabled, certainly not kids that look absolutely fine, except they cannot function in, in, the, school, in the school setting. Um, they, that, the music I play in the gym is too stimulating for them. The, um, I can't use my whistle because it, it's too, the sensory issues are, are too great. So I had to relearn again. You never cease to learn as a teacher because you're always changing. It's a constant, constant necessity to grow with your students. And, to, and, to, and you know, people say all the time, I, I work with uh, classroom teachers that, are, you know, that complain about a student. I'm like, listen, you guys, I teach everybody. I teach every student in this. A phys ed teacher teaches everybody in the school. I do not because of the nature of my job. But I said, we have to teach everybody that walks into the gym. So, so you need to stop. You need to figure out a way to teach 
every child in your classroom. And I know that it, is, it can be the most challenging thing when you have this voracious reader and then this child that's, that's barely on, on grade level. That's when you got to reach out and ask for some help. And uh, having your window open to all of these children and all of their needs has made me a better person. It's made me, because I lived inside, I grew up in Springfield, you know, I lived in a bubble. You know, I went to Gettysburg. It was another bubble. It was a little bigger bubble. I met some newer, some, some people that had, that were from different backgrounds. When I went to, back to school in Westfield, again, a bubble. So I think we need to give our children experience. I need to give my students experiences that they may not have. I don't care if you can never, ever throw a football, but my student's going to know what a football is. He's going to be able to tell you that, a quarterback throws the football, uh, that when they see a black and white soccer ball, that they know it's a soccer ball. They know that you're supposed to use your feet when you play soccer. They may not be able to do it ever, and that's okay, because my expectation is not for them to be able to play soccer. Most of my students will probably not be able to play organized sports, and that's all right, because they'll at least know what it is. They can go watch their siblings play and enjoy it. So I, I, I guess what I want, to, want mostly to say to you is that although the nature of education has changed, and our population has certainly changed in public education, I never found myself having to defend being a teacher as I have in the past seven, seven years or so, because people think, oh, you can't do anything else, you become a teacher. And in phys ed, we are the lowest of the, we are on the bottom of the, bottom of the totem pole there, you know, on the food chain. But when I, I, I often say that they really need to, it's not about having July and August off, because what we do 10 months of the year require constant. I don't ever stop thinking about the students I teach. And even though I have two children of my own, those students at school make me thankful for my two children. I realize that things could be very, very different. So when you see somebody out there that's that's struggling with, you know, and I, I see these, I see parents cry. It breaks my heart to see a mom. Last year, mom came into the gym, to, she was visiting, her daughter was sitting right next to me. She's on the spectrum. She never, she, a three-year-old should be screaming, like running to their mother when they see her come into this, into the, into a building, into a room. She had no, nothing. She was just didn't phase her in the least that her mom, her mom was there. And you could see the mom just kind of like, oh, oh. Didn't run up to her, didn't say mommy, didn't say anything. Broke my heart, so I can only imagine how it, it made her feel. But one day, it could change. It, you know, and I, and I think teaching isn't for everybody. Teaching is something that's intrinsic. It's, it's, it's inside you. And there's always some, something to teach. I'm a commercial driving instructor. I could teach your kids to drive, too, by the way. I know that none of you would ever want to teach your children to drive. I have to tell you, that is the quickest form of gratification I have in my whole teaching world. They come to me as a non-driver, and six hours later, they're driving. They're, and they're, I'm, giving, I'm handing them over to you. Um, I don't teach as much driving as I used to, but I do teach driving, and it is a fun, fun thing to see a kid not know how to drive, and then suddenly they, they do, and that is the quickest Quickest turnover ever. So I, I do do a lot of different things. I'm certified in many different things. Health, CPR, first date. You know, as a teacher and a coach, you have to have all those sort of things going on. So you never know when it's going to pop up and you're going to have to utilize it. Um, 
I guess what I want to leave you with um, is that I always feel like it's my responsibility to allow for a greater understanding of differences and, and to provide a place of acceptance for kids. Creating an instructional setting that's collaborative and that's cooperative, the activities can be successful for all children, that's, that's really who I am. As much as I am a competitor and I love to coach, during my teaching day, it's about providing a successful experience for every child to meet a challenge, to meet the adversity, and it's okay to fail because you have to practice. If, I, if anybody leaves my gym at the end of a school year, they know what it means to have a work ethic. My youngest learners tell me, Mrs. Rabbit, because some of them call me Mrs. Rabbit. Mrs. Rabbit, work ethic means working hard, practice. You have to practice something. I say, yeah, it's okay you didn't make the basket the first time. It's okay that the beanbag didn't go into the bucket. You have to practice. Everything in life is about working at it. And if you give that child that piece, everything else is built on it, every single thing. So the best thing that I ever received from my parents was their love and a work ethic because it showed me that I can do anything I want to do without setting boundaries for myself, but also being able to recognize my boundaries. So I hope that if you ever need, ever need somebody to talk to about your children, I, there isn't anything I haven't heard, and I would be happy to help you. Um, just remember that the most important thing is that your child smiles. When I see a child that doesn't smile, that I spend 43 minutes with a kid and they don't smile once, that's, there's something wrong. Somebody's, somebody dropped the ball for that child, okay? A smile is God's way of showing us that they're okay. I wish you all well, and thank you for listening to me today about my wonderful career as a teacher. It's, it's, it's a great thing, and um, if you have any questions, I'd be happy to answer them.